Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at ArmyHistory.org. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi, it's Luke from the Custard TV podcast. Thanks for downloading. We recorded this one a little bit differently this week, so the sound quality is not great, but it is the normal mediocre TV podcast you've come to know and love, so enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. Uh, you join us on a very hot and steamy bank holiday weekend. Uh, we imagine steamy. that you're probably... Well, you know, <laughs> sweaty. That's that a bit that you uh, saucy, that does, a hot and steamy. Well, Sweaty, sicky. Yes, the hot and sweaty sense, which may sound even worse. That other voice that you hear on this podcast, that's Matt. Hello. Uh, You've been to the Edinburgh TV Festival recently, haven't you? I have been to the Edinburgh TV Festival, Gary, yes. Thanks for looking at my Twitter. Um, Yeah, it was a good one. I wouldn't say it was my favourite one, um, but I did have um, fun with uh, Charlie Booker on Friday, Russell T Davis, and also uh, Red Dwarf were there, Gary. And, uh, yeah, I heard about this. Well, you, you, you... Yes, first episode of Series 12 with a Q&A from um, Craig Charles and Robert Llewellyn and um, Doug Naylor as well. well should, and we look hosted by Nick when... Hell, um, who was using some choice language. Uh... Is, he a, is he a Red Dwarf fan, Nick Hell, or yeah, is he just yeah, available? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. It's always better when they're fans of the shows they're running panels for. I've seen a few Comic-Con panels where they look clueless because they've clearly never seen the show before. They're just there as a hired hand. Uh, any fun stories from Edinburgh? You know, fluff pieces that we can insert fluff pieces. at the beginning of this piece? Not <laughs> really. I can't... I, I'll probably you think of in the breakfast line, no? Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got one for you. Um, was going to um, one of the screenings at the film house, which is sort of across from the conference centre where the whole festival's held. And I, as I was just walking in, I saw Jimmy Carr walking past because he was doing, he was sort of hosting one of the sessions. And there were these sort of very sort of giggly girls wearing loads of glitter and stuff. And they had a box of donuts and they offered Jimmy Carr one. But it turns out he's a celiac, so he couldn't have one. Probably could have written that off for tax reasons, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Luke. Hey, everybody, here's our staff. Gary. I've never heard of him before today. And Matt. He's a professional. The telly-obsessed trio. Enjoy your show, boy. This is the Custard TV Podcast. You'll notice that there's a voice missing. Yes, Luke isn't here. It's Bank Holiday Monday, and he's decided to have a life. No. Uh, how dare he? How dare he? Um, but, I uh, did he that will be back. He, he will be back. <laughs> Uh, on the next podcast, and I probably won't. So you know, it's, you, you get two out of three, but you pretty much always get Matt. Yeah, um, which is that's, good. That's the best one. News, reviews, previews. I go west. 
the majority of news best off read by yeah. Matt as he was around for most of it. Uh, well, I think there's only one sort of big bit of news um, is that the BBC, um, I think it's BBC Two are doing both of these. Um, League of Gentlemen, their 20th anniversary, I believe. They're having three League of Gentlemen and also Alan Partridge is returning, I think, to BBC One. I think I read that. Well, Basically, they're amazing. bringing back a load of their old comedy and as we've got here as well, they've cancelled Count Arthur Strong after three series. And yet, Mrs. Brown's Boy still has a place on television and so does the one about the Asian guard of Friday night. Citizen Khan. I'm not a League of Gentlemen fan, so I'm not as excited by this. And I have to say this, and I'm going to whisper it, I'm not a huge Partridge fan. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I, obviously, yeah, I liked some of it, but I think I was more kind of like the day-to-day Alan Partridge mm-hmm. rather than anything. So you didn't like his sort of fool from Grace? You didn't like that? The, no, I, I, no. no, it was no, me. And Too I never me. watched... I didn't watch the Sky stuff either, so that... I no, I didn't that. watch much of that. I watched a bit of Mid-Morning Matters. Should we talk quickly about the Strictly lineup now it's all been announced? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. People complaining this is a bad lineup. I didn't think it was that bad. I think the fact that there are two Holby City um, stars is a bit... Um, makes it look a bit sort of fluffy and not a lot going on. I don't know who you'd say the biggest name is. Is it Brian Connolly? Debbie McGee was on Celebrity MasterChef recently. Mm. Um, well, and, I'll go through it. Shall I go through them? Go, go, got... go through them, then, yeah, and we'll kind of, you know... Molly King of the Saturdays, or formerly of the Saturdays... Well, she um, was first, wasn't she? Yeah. So I'm guessing she must be reasonably top billing if they announced her first. Aston Merigold from off of JLS. Um, is he the one that does the backflips? Yes, I believe so. So he's going to incorporate that into the dancing, isn't he? Um, also, uh, in a recreation of uh, the 2008 X Factor final, Alexandra Burke is also uh, taking place yeah. as Strictly. Holby City's Joe McFadden and Chizzy Akudolu. Kush from EastEnders. Gemma Atkinson, do you remember her from Hollyoaks back in the day? Do I remember Gemma Atkinson? Hold yeah. on a minute. Yep. Okay. Uh, not right now. Emma Dale, Emma Dale, she is in now, Joan Atkinson. Uh, Ruth Langsford from uh, Off of This Morning, Loose Women, and Mrs. Eamon Holmes fame. Charlotte Hawkins from Good Morning Britain. Simon Rimmer of Sunday Brunch. The Reverend Richard Coles. Who was also a MasterChef this week as a, as a, as a, as a former, former yes, contestant. Yeah, he was eating. a contestant, yeah. Susan Kalman, Brian yep. Connolly, and Debbie McGee, as we mentioned. And uh, interestingly, uh, Johnny Peacock. The first uh, disabled contestant on the show. First Paralympian that I think mm. has been on. I was just going to say, generally the first ever disabled contestant they've had on. True, yes, that's a very good point. It's a reasonable mm. line-up. There's, you're right, there's lacking a big name yeah. or two. Because last year you had two, you have Anastasia, she was quite a big name, and um, yeah. Ed Balls. There was more a curiosity around Ed Balls than mm. a big name, wasn't there? Name your winner now. Oh. Um, who do you think, first of all? I'm just trying to... Well, I, I think Aston Merigold could well take mm. it. He's obviously got a dancing background. Men tend to do better than women in the voting, because it's a ma- mostly female-dominated audience. Although, didn't they announce that a lot of under-18-year-olds watch uh, Strictly Come Dancing? Yeah, I saw an article that yeah, said it was I a mean, mix of uh, variety of viewers. The, the elusive 16 to 34 demographic that I heard a lot about at Edinburgh, um, they all watch Strictly and they all watch um, Planet Earth as well, apparently. Debbie McGee is a former dancer. Mm. There's half a possibility that she could actually be able to dance. Uh, they'll probably put her with uh, Anton, won't they? 
No, surely he's going with Susan Cowman for the uh, for the height joke. Okay, I'm going to go Johnny Peacock because I think he okay. not sympathy votes, but I reckon he'll he's sort of like an Olympian. He's a British hero. He's sort of. I'm just yep. thinking about when Louis Smith won a few years ago, and he was he wasn't great, but I think the Olympian sort of thing. And of course, oh. don't forget Heather Mills McCartney did the American dancing show. She did, and she also did Dancing on Ice. I'm not overly enthused for the beginning of Strictly, but I think no. it's because we're still at the end of the summer. 9th of September is the launch show where they pair them all off. Also, um, new head judge as well in Strictly this year, Shirley Ballas. So, yeah, is she, she the head judge? I thought yeah. Darcy was the head judge. No, no, no. Glenn was head judge, wasn't he? Have you watched any of his rhyming show? No. It's horrible. It's like catchphrase, but you have to... When you see these little sort of like Mr. Chips-esque images, you have to say, oh, that's like a... I can't remember any of them now. I, my mum made me watch one the other night. But <laughs> it, it was horrendous. It was like... That our mothers make us do. So, first of all, uh, Netflix have renewed Glow, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and I've just finished that today. And I think you and Luke were both right that the characters begin to get their own identity more and more. Mm. Um, and, it, and it works really well. And when it comes uh, together at the end, I really, I really liked it. Yeah, I did. Like, the last episode is really good. I mean, the last two, the one at the party as well, with yeah. where he realises that Back to the Future has already written. Well, I like that one. <laughs> it's not a... A, a sitcom, is it? it no, it's a comedy like drama. A comedy drama, yeah. Um, but I mean, they, really the well. the uh, abortion episode was quite well done because they got a lot of humour from yeah. that. I thought the relationship between Alison Bree's character and Mark Merrin's character was. was she certainly quite... made him much mm-hmm. more likable than he yeah. was at the beginning. He was the grumpy, obnoxious detect director, and yeah. slowly over time, you know, that the the whole relationship with uh, what's her face from Britain. Uh, Kate Nash softened him a bit didn't it it showed him sort of you know wondering whether he should stay with her and you saw that other side of him which I thought was really good the other thing that's been renewed is Ozark I've just finished that as well you can tell I've been doing on Bank Holiday Monday and I'm really glad it's going to get a second series and one that you liked and you watched Friends I didn't I didn't like it Gary you should listen more oh okay sorry I thought well, you liked it more than me I watched I watched two because I thought I'll give it a chance no we both hated this oh did we something we both hated uh, some uh, new stuff coming to Netflix, uh, a US comedy show called The Good Place. Now, Luke has been berating us about this one and telling us how good it is. It stars uh, Kirsten Bell. Kristen uh, Bell. And t- Kristen Bell, wow, Kirsten, Kristen. And Ted Danson, he of the uh, CSI and Cheers fame. I don't know an awful lot about this. I don't either. Uh, but it has got very, very high ratings on um, well, we'll have on to watch that on MDB, so... Uh, and apparently has a strong ending, so uh, we're hoping forward to go that. And a second series has already been commissioned, um, so that's always good news with a comedy. Sky Living has bought the uh, the Good Doctor. Now, if you remember our our series before the summer about new shows, the Good Doctor that is the autistic kid who. Freddie Highmore and um, Richard Schiff. Schiff. Yeah. This this is the autistic eighteen year old doctor or sixteen year old doctor who saves somebody in an airport using a a, a bottle of alcohol and a drinking straw. Uh, in the first episode. We both quite looked like the look of this, but they didn't really give away much, did they, in the preview? It was a bit healthy, a bit... Um... Yeah. What was the other thing? Oh, there was something else it reminded me of, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. 
The Gifted is going to come to Fox UK in October. This is the X-Men spin-off, a bit like sort of Heroes for Kids. And an interesting one, someone who never really gets involved in TV, Steven Soderbergh, a very good film director, has uh, been his show Godless is coming to Netflix in November. Now this is a western and it stars a a, act, a favorite actor of mine Jeff Daniels who was in the newsroom. I mean it's a true sort of uh, a western. This isn't like um what are the other ones? I mean there was last year you had Westworld, which is more sci-fi, but set in a Western world. We had uh, Jericho. Really Do you remember that on ITV? Yes. We've seen a few of these, so it'd be good to see that. I mean, uh, Steven Soderbergh is a very famous director, has written and directed a lot of very good stuff. Not written, sorry. Directed a lot of good films. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anyone else I recognise in it. Not really, no. Jeff Daniels is very much... Uh, although Michelle Dockery, I know, recognise her. From Downton Abbey. From Downton Abbey. Lady Downton Mary. Abbey that. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing about that one. came out of nowhere uh, for us. Uh, it's called Atypical. This is basically um, a, a sort of fly-on-the-wall type thing following Sam, who's an 18-year-old um, autistic, char- uh, autistic young man, and he kind of decides in his very first session that you see with his therapist that he, de- he wants a girlfriend, and he's got a mum and a dad and an old... I think, is his sister older or younger? younger. I couldn't quite tell. Younger. Younger. I, they should have show you they show you very much the state of the family dynamic. You get an awful lot of his autism. You know, you see his his quirks, his ways. He's very much into penguins. Mm. Um, it was very sweet and very well done, and not at all trying to be scary about about teenagers and, and issues. Whereas Thirteen Reasons Why kind of showed you the other side of it. I really liked Jennifer Jason Lee as the yeah. mother. I don't like Michael Rappaport as the. Oh, parent. I liked them both. Hated him for years. But is that more about the actor than the character? It is. He played a terrible part in the fourth series of Prison Break, and I haven't been able to forgive him. But that's him. not his fault, really, is it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, I, I, I like Michael Rappaport. I've seen him in several... He's in one of my favourite fil- films called Beautiful Girls. He's, I agree he was rubbish in Prison Break, but, I mean, I think anyone would have been in that fourth series. Fair um, I'm just trying to think how to phrase this. I liked the way they showed how having a son on the autistic spectrum affected various members of the family. I liked the family, all the rest of the family, more than I liked him. I had two issues. The first was Keir Gilchrist, I think, at this point, is too old to be playing a teenager. He's 24 years old. He's been playing a teenager now for about eight years. He was Tony Collette's son in the United States of Tara back in the day. He was in a film called It's Kind of a Funny Story, where he had, like... um, paranoia or something he was schizophrenic so he's just i feel he was a bit old and as you, as you were alluding to his sister as well they both look you know they're too old to play teenagers and it would be a nice i think to see a newcomer in this role rather than like a a known actor but, but I, I, i'm I, guessing that the role is more difficult to play hmm. because of the fact that you're but they, they could still find a talented also. newcomer i think personally true yeah, okay. or someone who looks the age of 18 he doesn't look 18 he looks right. like he's in his mid-twenties. Jennifer Jason Lee was very good, and Michael Rappaport was very good, and their dialogue and their exchanges were, were believable about how, you know, they, they want him, they, he's wanting to relax a lot more now. He said, you know, give him a chance, yeah. he's getting older, and she's still worried about him. And I really like that scene at dinner where she was like, sometimes I don't think you even like him, and he was like, you know, I built him an igloo when he was nine and all this, and I thought that was really good. And I like that scene where they're together... Later on, at the, are they at a zoo or a museum or something where it's just father and son? I think it was a zoo. But a zoo, yeah. He took him to see penguins or like an aquarium type of, yeah. Because basically what it is, is it's his, um, 
therapist, isn't it, who's who's told him to... Because he said, I'll never get a girlfriend, and she says, well, you, you, people on the spectrum can get a girlfriend and things like that. And, uh, but you get the impression at the end that it's actually his therapist that he's fallen in love with. Well, there were a few signs, yeah, and the therapist is quite young. I mean, I suppose yeah, she looks about the same age. With, yeah. And that, that, I suppose you're right, is the problem by him being about 24. She's yeah. probably about 24, 25, but she doesn't look that much different in age. She wants his brain doesn't to operate on when he dies, and yeah, he, at the weird. end, offers... Yeah, she's 28, the actress, and Keir Gilchrist is 24, so... Yeah. I quite liked this. I don't know that at the moment I'm going to carry on. And and I know there's been sort of a lot of people saying this is a very interesting way of showing autism. You know, it's not at all kind of poking fun, but it is mm. showing real reactions. You know, a couple of people really react to things he says, and that's that's how people will do it. He's not obviously autistic. If you're not with him, there's no facial mm. expressions, there's no... He's on the spectrum, know, isn't he? Yes, if that's what. Yeah, it it is on the spectrum is what you would say, rather than that he has any kind of uh, obvious disability. I I did like it, and I'll probably go back to it maybe later this year, maybe when I've got some time off. It's the kind of one where I feel like I could watch two or three in a row. I say I liked the looking at the family and things like that, but I just I didn't warm to him, and I thought mm. I thought the way they presented it, I I I thought it was very, unlike you. I thought it was very one note. I thought. As you say, not everybody knows it, but I think I felt, I still felt it was very one note in the sort of presentation of autism. I've seen it done better elsewhere. I think we'll agree to disagree on this one. Okie dokie. And the other one, which only I've watched, is the um, Defenders, which is the Marvel, no, not the Marvel, DC Comic Universe. Oh, it is, it's Marvel. Oh, it is Marvel. I've got it right, it's Marvel. These are the four people that uh, Netflix have been doing over the years. First of all, there was um, Daredevil, that's the blind lawyer who can kick ass. Then you had Jessica Jones, uh, played by Christina Ritter, uh, sorry, Kirsten Ritter, sorry, my mistake, I've got that Kirsten name wrong twice Kristen, Kristen. 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 Uh, she plays she plays a, a, a private detective with a big drinking problem. Then you've got Luke Cage, and then you've got Iron Fist, the guy who uh, very much into his martial arts, and at some point his right hand glows green, uh, and he can punch through walls. I've only seen two of the series that these relate to, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. I gave up on Luke Cage and haven't tried Iron Fist yet. Having watched the first episode, they all kind of start off at the end of where you left them at the end of their last series, so there have been two Daredevils and one of each of the others. You do kind of have to know a little bit about what's been going on, but I think you can read it. I don't think you need to watch the other series. And the basic premise is that New York or Harlem or Brooklyn is under attack from Sigourney Weaver's character. She plays a very mysterious person who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer in the first episode, and appears to uh, uh, sort of bring New York to its knees with a series of um, earthquakes at the very end of episode one. And it's slowly the, 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 the four characters start to meet. First of all, they meet very much in their own sort of, you know, background, you know, upfront personas, and then slowly they get to reveal who they are. I've watched two episodes. I think it's good. But I do think that if you've got no interest in superheroes and if you don't have the time to go and either read or watch the other series, it is going to be a bit confusing to start with because the backstories do make a difference, mm-hmm. um, particularly the, the storyline from Daredevil Series 2 uh, surrounding Elektra, do make confusing reading if, you're, if you come into this first of all. But it's, it's big budget, 
it's got the same feel. It's managed to. It's very weird. It's managed to keep the feel of the four individual series whilst making it into one. So we said that Daredevil was very gritty and realistic. Jessica Jones was that kind of private detective noir thing. Luke Cage had a very Harlem feel, and I've not seen Iron Fist. Uh, and it manages to capture a little bit of all of those, and then when they come together, it, it, it creates something a bit new and a bit different. I watched so, The Tick um, while I was at Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, but that's the new one with Peter Serafinowicz. I, was, I wasn't wound by it, I have to say. I don't know when it's out. Is it out soon? On Amazon? Uh, I think so. I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen some posters, and I think he's doing the rounds on TV I'll talk, shows. I'll talk about it more when, when it's on, then, and you... you yeah. Because I think... I've I, never I, seen The Tick before, so yeah. it's, it's a cult show I've never seen. Obviously, you're the comic book fan of the three of us, so you mm. watch it and tell me what you think, and we'll have a okay. discussion about it. And from Gary Goes West, we go to our semi-regular feature, where we've done it twice this year. Gary Goes Westeros is back. Oh, I, love, I, I love that, <laughs> that pun. That's my favourite pun that we do, uh, of, uh, all the, of all the bad jokes that we do. Yes, uh, Game of Thrones ended uh, mm. Series 7 this week. The longest episode of Game of Thrones ever, clocking in at just over an hour and ten minutes, or an hour and fifteen almost. Gary, I know we don't normally like to feel smug, do we? No. I hope it was on the one we did that we put out and not on the one that didn't record. But I'm yeah. pretty sure we predicted Littlefinger's death. Not only that, I've been talking about the wall coming down for years. But again, I've got no... Uh, I, I've got Is that no, just in your flat, though? To be fair, only Mrs. McNamara ever heard it. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of, as he said, you and I saw it coming. And as soon as I saw Bran in the room, I knew something was up. I yeah. and Sansa have obviously been plotting together behind Littlefinger's back and I think we saw that but why then was there all that hostility unless they knew he maybe they knew he was listening in you saw one very small clip where he paid a, a maid at Winterfell and, and, and the assumption that he had spies everywhere you know that he had little people watching apparently there's a missing scene that they're going to release at some point or may have already released of Sansa talking to Bran and Bran confirming that Mm. In every scene where they were talking, he had someone watching. You know, the one that confused me in the last episode was when she presented her with the knife mm. and said, you know, I could cut your face off. That all just felt very staged. But there was, there was a scene where Littlefinger was listening in, so I don't know if it was that one. Yeah. He thought he was playing them, but they were playing him, which was very good. They've sort of steered away from the books a little bit more, haven't they? I mean, they've run out, yeah, they've be, run we'll out be of books. On the, we're well beyond the books now. That, um... Uh, is it Windoff and Weiss? Are they the two? Bennyhoff and Weiss. Bennyhoff uh, and Weiss. Yeah. Are, seem to Dave be going in for like in- instant gratification. Nothing's slowing down anymore. And I know they've said, oh, these events don't take place at the same time. You know, so yeah. why is why is Blah taking that dis- long to get from that distance when it took yeah. this person? But White it seems Raven, to be faster than dragons. W- yeah. We're getting everything very quickly now, and they they haven't continued what the early seasons did, which is killing off main characters. Yeah, I was and thinking we, that. We noticed that in this series that really, yeah. I mean, like who died? Thoros of Mir, Elena um, Tyrell, finger, maybe he's the biggest character that yeah. got killed. Elena Tyrell, Elena um, Tyrell, yeah. But again, that was kind of you know. The Sand Snakes, um, you know, people um, died off. Sam, we, we, Dad and Brother. We think that Tormund and uh, um, the other guy that was up there died on the wall, but we've got no, you know, it was off screen, so if it's off screen, we don't necessarily know it happens. I don't know. 
it would have been very brave to have killed off a spark. Yes. You know, yeah. um... To me, this feels very much like the final season, part A. It's like when they separated yeah. the final two Harry Potter films or something like that. We should sort of break down the rest of it. So we had, yeah. um, in the penultimate episode, the White War, the Magnificent Seven, as some dubbed them, the sort of yeah. Snow well, the Suicide Squad, the, the went to, to get a white. They got trapped, and, and as you referenced, the... Uh, they sent a raven, which got there in miraculous fashion. Yeah, a, a raven got to uh, Storm's End quicker than a dragon did the return journey. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but dragons are heavier, aren't they? Well, that's it. Yeah, and I suppose you know Daenerys probably had to pack and everything. Mm. You know, get changed into so, her silver outfit. So Daenerys comes across with one of her dragons. She comes all with three. all three, doesn't she? Oh, but go, doesn't go back with all three because one is, no. is killed by the Night King. Interestingly enough, a lot of people reading into that one that the, the dragon that, that died and, and, and stayed the other side of the wall was Viserion, who was named after her treacherous brother Viserys, who, of course, you know, it's quite apt that, you know, the dragon named after her brother is now on the other side. Mm. And he was the one who got... Did he die by a candle or something? Did he No, no, no. Melt? He, 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 gold uh, stuck on gold, his head that's uh, it. By, by Drogon in, I yes. think, the first series. Drog- Drogon. Very early on. Then the Night King turned him into a big ice dragon, which, as you referenced, then took the wall down in the final scene of uh, the final episode. We also got uh, fans, I think, that first set piece in the final episode where you got basically all the major players together for the first well, time. Well, the, the only problem that I had with it was that in the previous episode we had something similar where several characters got together uh, to Eastwatch by the sea, where you had like the the, the Brotherhood without banners and John and mm. Davos and the Hound, and they had the all Suicide these, Squad, the Snow yeah, Suicide so the, Squad, the, the, the Suicide. Yeah, these kind of like these guys that went north. They had this kind of moment like, yeah. oh, I remember you, and I remember you, yeah. and you killed my brother, and all this and all that. But, and then but all, like, all we did was we got it again, but more mm. bigger and more tense. But, Cer- but I think the thing is, like, Cersei and Daenerys have never met. Jon Snow and, and Cersei really haven't come into contact with each other that much. There were a couple of things that I liked about it. The tempting of Clegane Bowl, which if you're a book reader mm. or book lover, you know is this theory I know where it. the mountain and the hound are one day going to fight mm. to the death. But the yeah. scene was quite nice and quite tense. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but he said... It was quite cryptic as well, because he kind of looked up to him and said, what have you done to you? You know one day he will come for you. Which is all very interesting, because we don't have no idea what that means. Are Podrick and Bran still having a beer together? Because you never saw either of them again. And what happened Uh, to Gendry? Uh, Was he just recuperating back up on the wall after uh, rowing the He's still rowing. He's rowing again. Oh, he's still (laughs) rowing. He's gone back to rowing. He's doing a a Westeros triathlon. Um, (laughs) I didn't like the fact that Cersei was unfazed by a dragon, but scared witless by a dead person. I think maybe she was expecting the dragon when, oh, she not turned up, oh, she's coming in on one of her flipping dragons. We're so tired of dragons now. Oh, I know, yeah. (laughs) There are no dragons. I expected Daenerys to do that. As soon as I saw she wasn't in that party, I knew it would be that show of strength. Hmm. I just don't think it worked, because as you say, Cersei was like, meh, dragons. Throw a white at her, and she was terrified and changed her mind, and suddenly... Well, not suddenly, because, of course, she tells everybody she's going to side with them and then changes yeah. her mind as a woman. So, but there were some nice is. little 
There were some nice little bits there. There was a bit between Jamie and Brienne, which was quite nice. Yes. Um, I, I liked having Tyrion, Pod, and Bran back together for that. Sorry, Bron back together for that one scene. But as you said, there were good moments of reunions, but I think yeah. it was just a little bit. And also, then the, it's like the Tyrion I, Cersei scene I really liked as well. The other bit I liked, and I, I don't know if you picked up on it, is the thing with Anton Lesser. Is it what's his character called? Quyburn? Quyburn? Quyburn. Quyburn. Yeah, Quyburn. He's a, he's and a, he was looking at the the art the sort of arm that had come off the white. I don't know if you read this theory that he's trying to sort of see how to sort of make their own whites for yeah, like well, he he, he obviously to has use. reanimated uh, the, the mountain. So he is obviously and that, the reason that he was kicked out of the citadel was for dealing with this kind of dark arts of reanimating mm. people. So yeah, I, I, it was a good character link to have him kind of pick it up and examine it. So after speaking to Tyrion, we had the thing that Cersei says, yes, I'll stand my armies down, blah, blah, blah. But then she revealed to Jaime that actually she sent Euron to get to the gold company and they're coming back with elephants, Gary, in the final season. Elephants. elephants. Brilliant. But Jaime uh, swore an oath to um, protect... So he's gone off on his, on his Todd now, hasn't he? Yeah, but the, the impression that you get is he will join the, the Fellowship of the North. Yeah. Um, with, I, do you reckon I, I he'll take Bronn with him? Get caught along the way. Was Bronn of the Blackwater becoming with him? Don't know. He seemed like he was going off on his own. So yeah. Well, I'd say I think him and he and Pod were just still getting drunk together. Well, uh, it, I yeah, felt he really could have been a possible candidate to die this series. Actually, Jerome. I mean, a lot of people are surprised that Brienne, Podrick, mm, and Bronn are still alive because you could really have, you know, you could have got rid of all of them. Quite logically, I think this season was overhyped a bit. I think mm, the fact that I it agree. was seven episodes wasn't a problem for me. What I think the problem was, by delaying it to the summer, it received extra hype. And I don't think the storyline is now as good as it was in the earlier series. I think the acting's still fine. I, I know a lot of people out there are com- uh, conflicted, you know, saying, oh, it's all too rushed. And I think the thing I mind now is that I don't like some of the plots that they're doing. I don't mind the stuff in the In what way? Like what sort of waters. stuff? What, what sort of stuff? I don't like uh, the, the Winterfell stuff. I didn't like the Littlefinger death. Okay, yeah. I, no, I, I agree with you there. That's sort of the weakest yeah. plot and having all the, the Starks together and not really doing a lot with them. I think the interesting thing will be, will we get a proper Stark reunion, i.e. John with, mm. you know, uh, the rest of the family? Because I think, you know, that's important. I need somebody to be questioning Bran. Everyone just seems to go, oh, you're the three-eyed raven. Oh, that's nice for you. You know, why isn't anybody sitting him down and going through, well, okay, you can see anything, right? Tell me what, you know, no one seems to be sort of questioning how he got this ability or what's going on or how they can use it. They they have in their Apart hands from Sam, who can change future and past. Apart from probably Sam, who yeah. seems to get it straight. He is the one, really, that, I mean, everybody's been saying they think he is the narrator of, of the series mm. and the books. The writer. Because of the way, in which it's, the way in which his character sort of works things out. But he seems to accept things. I mean, like, he was the first person to kill a White Walker with Dragonglass. You know, he's kind of the unlikely bumbling hero. Yet, his storyline hasn't really progressed. No, he's not. He's not a maester. He's not. Yeah, I, I, I don't like. I don't like the. For anything. Yeah. Vernon, 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 the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for forty-three years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only sixty-nine dollars.
Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. Don't like the fact he left the Citadel. It's like, right, we need to get you over to Winterfell for the finale. Yeah, That's what that felt like because because I um, thought he could have stayed in the Citadel, as you said, because like I liked all the stuff with him and Jim Broadbent. I thought that was quite good. Yeah, those are my sort of criticisms, really, about how quick everything is. How yeah. like I suppose you're getting a battle every episode rather than you used to get one big one at the end of the well, that, season. Well, that's where you? the money's going. That's why we're only getting less episodes because you mm. know if you've built a story over seven or eight series where winter is coming. You've kind of got to deliver some big battles, and we, you know, there's still bigger ones to come. We assume the key thing will be for series eight. I think is is will they drag it out for the final battle, or will it be that they what they will do? Because they've got this situation where that now you've got the White Walkers and the White South of the Wall. Will they still continue their slow march down, or will they actually now move to Winterfell, take it over, go down south? You know, what are we going to get? Everybody's heading towards Winterfell, sort of, you know, in, in, a, in a convergence. Is that where the Golden Company guys are going as well? Well, no, we don't know where the Golden Company are going. Winterfell is landlocked, so the Golden Company mm. would have to come in inland and mm. possibly... To King's possibly, Landing. Uh, well, it, uh, and possibly attack John and Daenerys' troops from behind. You know, it would be a kind of a squeeze, you know, White Walkers to the north and the Golden Company to the south. You know, maybe as they retreat they'll get you know, attacked by the Golden Company. That would be quite a good mm. scene, I think, or quite a good episode. So Courage. you've been underwhelmed. Yeah, under- it's still Game of Thrones. It's still dragons. It's still white zombies. But I've been underwhelmed. You're a sort of bigger Thrones fan than me, obviously, through the books. Yes, yeah. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm I feel fan about totally. Game of Thrones the same way I feel about Doctor Who in terms of that I'll watch it, okay. I enjoy some of it. I know a good TV episode when I see it, and I thought yeah. episode five of this season, which was the shortest one as well, I really enjoyed that, and because it was the one that had sort of been leaked, and I naughtily watched it the day before, um, and sort of was like, oh, I'll watch a bit of it now, and then I'll come back to it, and it was because it was late at night, and I ended up watching it all in one go. Yeah, the, the leaking was strange. Again, I don't think I, I don't know whether to believe HBO in that it was a leak or whether they 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 released it. There's a lot of people saying that they wanted. Well, there to was lower two though, wasn't there? There was two that they released. There was one that the the hackers in India got, and I think that might have been yeah. episode four or five. I think actually it was four that I really enjoyed, not five. And then six came out like a like almost a week early because. Spain had shown the wrong episode and put it up it. on their online server. And before you knew it, everybody had seen it. And I think I think that's now the problem. I mean, Game of Thrones is the most downloaded, illegally downloaded show in history. Okay, so we're looking forward to um, the next season, but Gary is trepidatious because of the sort of yeah. the way they're leaving the books behind. So you're much more of a books fan than a. I I, I have much more of a. a, a enjoyment in the books and I, I think I, if, if you were to tell me that uh, the book was going to be released a day before the next series I would delay watching the series to read the book 
We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Okay, so we've been joined by a special guest on the podcast now. Uh, Luke special Luke. in many ways. Special yeah. needs. <laughs> special uh, special yeah. mentally, physically. Oh, we're so glad to have you on, on this Emotionally. Uh, no. <laughs> so The State, uh, which was a four-part drama aired last week between Sunday and Wednesday, followed four British people um, who all went to Syria to join uh, ISIS. Written by Peter Kaminsky, who um, did something very similar about ten years ago called Brits. I don't know if he'd review saw that. So there's like three different stories of, of sort of varying importance, it seemed to me, to be uh, from Peter Kaminsky. Yeah. Uh, a guy called Jalal, who was sort of had come to Syria to join ISIS because his brother had been in ISIS as well. His brother had died. He thought that his brother had... Um, been like this big war hero who died in battle but it turned out that he was a deserter and they they shot him for deserting and he he went with his best friend Zihad who who died um at the end of the third episode um then there was um Ushna Ushna who was uh, apparently a teenager if you say it twice it doesn't mean it's right it just means you've said the same thing twice if I was thinking about the pronunciation She's apparently a teenager, although she looked like she was in her mid-twenties. I know, I didn't like that. She's sort of like a princess type, you know, she's got her own bathroom. The thing is that she's meant to have been radicalised through the internet and social media, but we don't really get a lot of that. I mean, reading the character notes in the press pack, I learned more through that than I did from actually watching the the programme itself. The the one story that I liked the most was um, this uh, doctor... Her name was Shakira, no, not that one. She had a nine-year-old son. She'd come over specifically to work as a doctor in the hospital. She wanted that to be her mission. Yeah. But her story was, for me, the most memorable because you saw her son sort of begin to be radicalised and there was a really sort was of powerful of- scene where there was like an explosion at the hospital and she went into the maternity room and there was just loads of dead babies everywhere. And that's the scene that's really stayed with me. I enjoyed the first episode going straight into them coming into um, ISIS, you know, that, that whole idea of the, of the acclimatisation. The one thing I thought it was crying out for, and I, agree, I kind of agree with what Matt was saying, is I would have liked a flashback... That's what Luke to, ah, Gary, and, I, I, and a flashback to how they that, became radicalised. I agree completely with what you're saying. Um, I, that's, okay. I said this to Matt... Matt had seen three, I'd seen two, and I said, I don't understand, they've not done a good job of setting up why we should care about them, because I need mm. flash- I need to know why they're there. However, I even got to the point of saying, I'm not going to bother, I-, I think I watched two, and I said, I don't know if I'm going to bother with the third and fourth. I did, and I'm glad I did. Very, it's a very quick, fast-paced thing, so if you can do it, do it. Because Peter Kaminsky, Matt says he wrote and directed it all, he didn't want anybody to review it, until they'd seen all four. That's why it was stripped over the four nights. There was a screening of it, and they screened all four of them in a big, long oh, right. line. Wow. A long screening. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's meant to be seen as one piece rather than episodic. But I agree completely. And all the time I was going, I just want to see... I want to understand the, why they got to that point. 
they, there were some things they did very well. I did like the kind of little explanations that came up on the screens of mm. the various yeah. Islamic things that you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. understand if you're not a Muslim. It was like the words of sacrificing yourself and like the promised yeah. land things like that, wasn't it? There, sort of. Um, some, something and I, and I, I did enjoy. I did enjoy the, the other actors and actresses, but I do agree yeah. that the main four, only one that I really gravitate to was the Doctor. I do agree yeah. with Matt. I spoke to a couple of writers on this, including Unforgotten's Chris Lang. We were going back and forth because I had an issue with outside of the Doctor story, much like you, I, could, I couldn't name the other characters and I didn't really care about them. I had Nor could I. No, I've got the net. Uh, yeah, I felt, no emo- I felt no emotional connection to them at all. There were some really great set pieces and mm. really uncomfortable the direction moments. I think Kaminsky's a better director than he is a writer there's some really dodgy dialogue the bathroom thing that you mentioned just felt really out of place and really I, that whole I, that, that I girl felt character he could have done without the because I think he wanted to tell a sort of oh yeah you know the, all these youngsters now are being radicalised on social media and social media is a big recruiting tool for ISIS and stuff like that but he the the story was didn't have that much focus on it. No, no. She sort of disappeared towards the end. She sort of yeah. got married, then her husband died, and she went back to live in the communal house, and that was it. You did. I don't think you saw her in the fourth episode at all, did no. you? If you watch this, and I would, I would rec- I know we're sort of doing, uh, paying it down. I would recommend people. Watch no, it. I would. I think it was very interesting in terms of like almost like a drama documentary, but in terms of a piece of entertainment, I think that's where it's fell down. I think that's what we're trying to say. Well, I, I, I don't it, know whether I. Yeah. Do yeah, you know what I mean? mean? It's sort of like yeah. it documented it very well. I, I understood the motivations of the mm-hmm. characters. Because we didn't get those flashbacks that you were talking about, I don't think I connected to the characters. I think you no. get why people do go to ISIS, what it's like when they're there. I got a very strong sense of what it's like for them when they're there. I thought he took you into it. You know, you felt like you were part of yeah. it, but you didn't the, feel like you were connected to the characters. The scene that was the most emotional for me that was the first episode that I saw was the scene where they all burn the passports around the fire. You know, mm. or, or when they're both both sets of the men and women are watching the same video at the end about about why you want to become part of the Islamic State. Because we missed the radicalisation of them. These are the only bits we got that showed you why they're there. Because all four of them really felt passionately about being there. Some of them for slightly different reasons. But mm. you, you needed to see how that was back home, how they were, to really finish off and make those characters more rounded. So, there was a little show on Tuesday night. Bake Off, the great British one, uh, was back. What a life this show has had. And Matt knows from seeing Jay Hunt over at Channel 4's talk at the Edinburgh TV Festival that it was a massive gamble and that it was her idea to bring Noel Fielding on board. It was quite unfair, really, the vitriol that was thrown at Jay Hunt and Channel 4 for buying it, because, you know, someone was going to buy it, and it was going to be on the BBC, was it? So there you go. Uh, That she didn't want to be seen as poaching from the BBC. Once Love Productions had said, BBC, we're not going to be with you anymore, you're not paying us enough money, blah, 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 it was up to the open market. And I think part of her argument when they first bought it was that Sky was sniffing around, and it could well have been that it went on Sky, and none of us would have been able to see it unless we had a Sky account. The other thing as well is that she said that her sort of impetus for casting Noel Fielding was a letter she received from like a seven-year-old girl who was fascinated by, was it Noel Fielding's luxury comedy? 
on E4. Her parents let her watch it, but not with the sound on. And and that's what Jay Hunt thought that Noel Fielding had that appeal, not just to sort of an adult demographic, but to kids as well because of his sort of so, uh, jerky movement. So, off with the sound off, is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. But I felt he was almost quite neutered. You didn't get that sort of luxury comedy vehicle, no. Noel Fielding. Normally, we'd say this happened and it's these people, but yeah. if you don't know all the ins and outs of Bake Off by now, then where have you been? I'm sure me and Gary did a whole podcast about it last year. We did wonder how it was going to be, and I know Gary was quite keen because um, he did an interview on Talk Radio today. I've written. I haven't heard it yet, yo, Gary. But one of the things I wanted to pick up on that Gary said because we watched it as a family, my family and I, uh, he said it took about fifteen minutes to get in, and I was actually into it. We were actually into it a lot quicker than that. Was there a reason it took you? Yeah, up. I think. Oh well, I, I only got home at five minutes to eight from uh, from a day out, <laughs> and I think like I felt like right, we're in we're into the Bake Off, and and oh, it's different. Oh look, you've not got her, you've not got her. Who's he? Twelve new people. It's that kind of like that first episode of The Apprentice feel. Like okay, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. Oh, okay, they're all idiots. Let's get on with it. You know, it's that kind of. Nervous 15 minutes first. You're a keen amateur blacksmith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Those kind (laughs) of like moments of like, oh, I'm a 70-year-old granny from somewhere. And I... I actually thought, although Noel Fielding was obviously uncomfortable at the TV presenting bits, his voiceovers weren't that noticeable. No. And any time he had to do any actual description of the task, he seemed a bit nervous. But I was really surprised how comfortable he seemed with mm. the Bakers, and that's the key. He was basically playing Mel, wasn't he? I think. I think I don't, Sandy I was sort of... to think like that. I didn't miss them. I didn't miss no. Mary, I didn't no. miss Mel and Sue. I missed and, Mary and I a little bit, I have to say. I watching the show. I wasn't going to watch no. it. I just watched it out of curiosity, and I was surprised how much I did enjoy it. The task that they set up about making a cake that wasn't the cake almost felt like Let's ask Noel Fielding what we should do. Oh, let's make a cake that's not a cake. Like, I feel like they were almost tailoring that task to his ability to, what, do, to do the strain. What I would say is I felt that it was sort of too much for week one, all the sort of bells and whistles oh, that we're doing in that, fi- nerd. In that final showstopper. I disagree. I think they needed a big bang. Yeah, yeah but that's too. what I'm saying, Gary. Normally, yeah, you wouldn't have this big sort of production in the first week. You'd build up yeah, to that. I, I agree, with Gary. Normal. I think you you can't build up to it when people are tuning in to see what they think you, of it. You've, you've got, got a, a an old audience that you're trying to drag over from BBC One, and we all know how hard yeah. that is because no one changes their television channel. And B, yeah. you've got potential new viewers and possibly Do you a think younger there demographic. Any new viewers? Yeah, I reckon well, some, I reckon there'll be new people. I mean, a lot of people might think, well, Noel Fielding's doing it, I might give it a go. I reckon mm. there'll be new people, yeah. I do still miss Mary. I, I haven't warmed to Prue yet. I, I found her sort of I, judgment I don't a little bit harsh. Is, I don't... Did you miss the little fluff bits? Well, Matt and I discussed this. They wouldn't be in Ep 1 anyway, and the show's an hour and 15 minutes, so it's gonna, they're going to be back. It's just that in Ep 1, there's so think many. They will. Yeah, I, they've I got so many will. bakers to focus on that they've got to. It's like The Apprentice, they've got so many people at the start, will, will but they they, those will be back. I can't see Noel Fielding going out to a baker's shop in Germany to learn about German bakers. No, son, Sandy. No, Sandy will, and she's. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Basically from Denmark anyway, so that's quite easy for her to do. What do we think of the ads? Because that was one of the big sort of contention things I'm on Twitter, it. and they give you a chance to go make a, a tea and get a bit of cake. <laughs> yeah. I liked it because the ads weren't like it wasn't a big Great British Bake Off symbol at the time. It was just a tiny little thing at the yeah, at just the a corner. hashtag and off we go. Yeah. One thing I was worried that they would do that they didn't do was like a here's what's coming up after the break. Here's here's what no, happened no. before the break. Because they, they, they do that on a lot of shows, don't they? Let's face it, they didn't change the format no. of the television show. All they've done is inserted adverts. And I like that it was knowingly new, because obviously they couldn't ignore the fact that it was new, no. but they didn't, keep, they didn't keep shoving it down your throats and saying, new, no. new, new. I don't think they'll have the fluff pieces. I think they'll have a little bit of a focus more on Paul and Prue. It got $6.5 million in the overnights. And Jay Hunt and crew will be chuffed to bits with that because they needed well, three was, million to break. Because that's double what they thought. I think it's curiosity need... ratings. Yeah, what well, is it? We don't know. That's what we won't know till the following weeks. They certainly whetted my appetite with a fantastic chess piece case cake. Yeah, what was everyone's the... favourite cake? Oh, the bread. Uh, bacon sandwich. I was just impressed by the Russian doll. I thought it was quite good to get one. Yeah, my only thing about uh, the Russian doll is it was a bit clumsy on the outside. Mm. And the noodles as well. I know they didn't tell us much about Prue, but I quite like that. I like that they didn't put the focus too much on meet the new team and they just got on and did it. I mean, I, I, I asked my mother, who is a keen uh, baker. And, and, Does she uh, know her? She, she's more familiar with her than Mary Berry. Do you know that she's 77, which was a massive shock to me when I looked wow. at her? Wow. But Paul Hollywood is 105, so... Yeah, so next yeah, to each other, they... So the test of the thing is, will you watch it next week? And will you watch it live when you watch it next week? Because of that hour and 15 minute thing, it will yeah. mean that mums will have to choose between sticking to this or missing the first 15 minutes of New Doctor Foster this week. Oh, that's a week. good point. Oh, I didn't think... Oh, that's a, But you see, the BBC will plug the iPlayer, so everybody will think, oh, I'll just watch Doctor Foster on the iPlayer. If it's mums who watch with their kids, then they're going to stick with the bake-off. Yeah. If it's mums who I, don't have the kids around, then possibly Dr. Foster. I don't understand how scheduling works. I would love to be a scheduler. And if I was a scheduler at Channel 4, I'd have had this on Thursday nights going into Educating Greater Manchester because I think that would be a great double bill. But there must be a reason why they've decided to put it on Tuesdays. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, so that is the bake-off. It could have been awful. It wasn't. It could have been a pure imitation. Yeah, of sorry, Luke, I didn't get a chance to answer your question. 
Oh, yes. I wasn't that bothered, Matt. I only wanted to know okay. what Gary thought. Go on. Okay. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't know if I will be watching it live. I don't know. Do you watch anything live, to be fair? No, though? not really. That's the thing now. I don't, re- I don't now really watch anything. Now for the electricity on the TV. Exactly, yeah. Because it's an 8 o'clock thing. If it was a nine o'clock thing, and I like it's to go to the gym in the evening. I know, I know, I know. Yes, but you, I, I agree with what Matt is saying. It's different now. It's on Channel Four. But last year, Luke, I watched it on previews, so that's how I watched it last year. So it could have been awful. It wasn't. It could have been a pure imitation of what's come before. It wasn't. It could have been just bland, and I don't think it was. And I'll be sticking with it because you've not until... been a, you you hadn't been with the Bake Off since the beginning, like I have. So it's sort of no, maybe... he, no he's like I, really so. protective over the Bake Off. It's amazing. I still to this I day. I, 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 think think I... Represents, I think he represents a fair slice of there you are, cake joke there for you. Oh, uh, okay, the you in public who kind of feel very protective. I mean, there were still people complaining when it moved to BBC One. I enjoyed it. You know, cake. Who doesn't like cake? Yeah. It, wasn't too much of a, a sort of struggle to get to know the new team. Um, but yeah, no, I will be watching, definitely keeping up with it, but maybe not live. Sorry, Jay Hunt. We are launching on a brand new service, and um, one that we're not sure the correct pronunciation of. Uh, I think it's Patreon. Patreon. Basically, it's a way of us improving the site through um, your donations. For your donations, you get stuff back, bigger sort of podcasts and things like that. We'd like to go to more screenings and um, those cost money to go to, travel expenses and things like that. And obviously sort of hosting the website, all these things cost money. And it would be nice for us uh, to dedicate more time to both the podcast and the website as well. And hopefully through your donations, we'll be able to do that. You can donate as little as $2 a month. That's what, like a pound 50, something like that. Yeah, or if Brexit... It's like, it's like I work in a... It's like I don't work in a bureau de change. Um, <laughs> it's like you've forgotten all your training. <laughs> you, you will get from us a bi-weekly sort of newsletter with stuff updates on us and the site and the podcast, what we'll be doing on both the main show and Patreon. Basically, and we're hoping... if you've ever adopted a panda, it's like that. Mm, you get pictures or a dog. of a panda growing up and you get news if the panda goes on... Or a dancing day, bear. Yeah, you get to hear about the dancing there. You know, whether it's Gangnam Style or Uptown Funk or whatever. You'll be able to sort of peer behind the curtain of my uh, contributions to the site as my show notes will be available for the main show to uh, $2 backers. And you'll also obviously get that um, knowledge that you'll have our eternal gratitude, which is always nice. I know, and I don't give that away freely. That's why we're having to launch on Patreon. So there you go. Uh, and in terms of content, we're doing several things. Uh, mm. So for five five dollars, one of our new big podcasts is. Already in the can, only fools and horses. Series one to three and six, and the final specials, and Channel Four's. Drop the Dead Donkey as well. They are the two that have already been made for your listening and buying. Also, you will get my notes for that particular podcast. And, uh, aren't you lucky, an entire back catalogue of all the running orders for all of the podcasts, dating back to when Luke and Gary and Tanise used to do it in 2012. $10 is the one I'm most excited about. It's the box set binge where we watch an entire series of a show or an entire season if it's an American show 
already in the can for that, The Sopranos Season 1. It's a show Matt and I have never seen, except now we have, and we share our views on it. It's a show that is sort of credited with changing the face of American television. How did we feel about it nearly 20 years on from its debut? That's one of the box set changes. Also, 20 years on from the end of Simpsons Season 8, we discussed the way the show has changed in its first eight seasons and become this thing that we don't even really watch now in season 20. Or like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We're going to attempt to do a monthly watch-along session with one of us watching a certain show at the $20 mark. You will get more sort of behind-the-scenes access. I will be taping mini-podcasts for every screening and event I attend. Also, quite excitingly, you'll be able to request any show for us to cover on... Uh, the Custard DV um, box sets or the Britcom one. Uh, Luke will send you the podcast or the podcast will appear in your iTunes feedy thing um, a de- at least a day before it goes live. If you can help us, if you could spare a few dollars or all your British pounds, which are welcome here as well, uh, then we'd be very grateful. Thank you. Uh, should we um, pop on to you, Top of the Lake? Gary, I've finished it now. The, the key thing, I suppose, is where we left off, a lot of the big things that hadn't happened were things that I couldn't talk about. And I only recently, for some reason, listened back to the podcast that we did about this one. You, obviously, at that point, thought Gwendolyn Christie's character was pregnant, and she wasn't. She was uh, having she a baby. Was faking. Was, what we found out, basically, was all of the prostitutes at the brothel, Silk 41, were being used by couples to be their surrogates facilitated by uh, Puss, the horrible German man. They basically paid him a lot of money via this nurse. Who, did he kill that? Who killed that nurse in the end, or did she commit suicide? I think he did. I think yeah. he killed her. Yeah, because yeah, she was sort of the facilitator, wasn't she, this nurse? And then he was organising all these sort of well-to-do couples to have these, because, as we said before, commercial surrogacy is illegal yeah. in Australia. And uh, Gwendolyn Christie's character, Miranda, was using one of these girls with... Um, but it, but it, it, it was a very good twist, because, of course, it explained that whole idea where um, the, the main character got annoyed with her when she was smoking, but, of course, you know, because she, she thought she was really pregnant, and, of course, she wasn't. So it was kind of all, all of a bluff, yeah, which I didn't get a, until that point. she was wearing a thing, wasn't she? Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I liked bits of this. I think Elizabeth Moss is fantastic. Um, of course. The acting generally, but it was the character of Puss I just didn't understand. I don't know where that came from. From him, like, prostituting Mary out to him going to that father-daughter dance. Yeah, and were, the, and the bit things. where he bit Elizabeth Moss's nose, tried to bit, bite it off. This guy was supposed to be the worst of men. You know, he was supposed to be this master manipulator, totally in control, but out of control, if you know what I mean. He was this total psychotic character that basically managed to convince other people to do things that he would never in a million years do himself. I was a little bit underwhelmed by the fact that the main crime, which I thought was the real hook, turned out to be a suicide. I didn't like that. That didn't feel like a satisfactory ending for me. That was that one of my. Line, seeing as that was the hook, I liked it. There were several things I liked. I've talked about the music before, and I do think it was quirky enough and different enough. But yeah, I'd, overall, I'd say I like it. And if they were to do a third series, I think there's enough weirdness in there for me to watch again. Probably in another four years or so. Yeah, maybe so. So, Quacks was a new uh, comedy set, 1800s. Is that right? Yes, I would have said so. Yep. 
does Rory Kinnear and uh, Matt Bainton and Tom Basden as three um, medical professionals of varying success. Rory Kinnear is sort of this master surgeon who gets big crowds to come to his operations. He's sort of like a minor celebrity. People come up to him in bars and things like that and uh, ask for his autograph. Tom Basden plays this um, dentist who owes money all over town. And then Matt Bainton plays a... Um, I can't remember the name they use. There's an odd name, but it's basically like he's a therapist, isn't he? Like a it's like a head doctor, they said, wasn't he? A head he? doctor, you know, they who's um, sort of attracted to Rory Kinnear's wife. There's a bit of bit of a story there where... He, a bit of phrenology sort of, going on there. Yeah, a bit of phrenology, yeah. James Wood, I think he's written this, who did um, Rev, which I, which I much preferred. Oh, okay. Rev, Rev was m- much more of a sort of sedate comedy with a few jokes, but it was character-based. This was very much based on the jokes, character second, I felt. But I thought the performances were good, and it was a good sort of chemistry between the three leads. But I don't think... Again, this is all available to watch on iPlayer. I don't know if I would watch any more. Gary? No, I don't think I'll watch any more. I thought it was reasonable. I didn't laugh too many times, and I think that was the problem. I need to find some comedy in my comedy. Upstart Pro is coming back soon, and this is this. But this was a very similar sort of comic style to that. I found. Pick of the week. This is where we look forward to the week ahead and point you in the right direction of something that's going to be on. I mentioned it earlier. Educating Data Manchester is on nine o'clock Channel Four. They've rested the Educating series for for a year now. It's been one of Matt and I's favourites for a long time, and I'm really looking forward to it coming back. It uh, follows. The aftermath of that Ariana Grande concert. I don't think I've ever said her name right once, first time. Uh, don't worry, yeah, she never said your name was... once either, so don't worry about it. No, bless her. No, bless um, nine, o'clock, nine o'clock Thursday, Channel 4, educating Greater Manchester. See, now I'm, I'm going to go for Dr. Foster. I know that Matt went to the screening, so I feel a little Boo. bad. Uh, uh, Booing uh, Basically, this is the second series of the intense thriller starring Saran Jones. I read her interview this week that she was very nervous about doing the second series. I'm very um, nervous about seeing it because I don't quite know. Well, yeah, I am intrigued by this. Um, it'd be interesting because I think we all thought it was a one series and done. We were very surprised it got a second series, but nothing is anymore. See... No, but we're we're intrigued to see where this goes. For me, it's a toss-up between two series on ITV, Cannonball with Freddie Flintoff and Lisa Riley's Baggy Buddy Club. But, oh, no, do you have to do that every week? <laughs> every, <laughs> every week you do that joke. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll highlight, I'll highlight um, Back, the Channel 4 sitcom, oh, yes, which reunites David Mitchell and Robert Webb. I saw a brief clip of it at, at Edinburgh. It does feel much like Peep Show 2. I, I do regret that they never brought back uh, Ambassadors, because I know me and you quite like that one, Gary. I did, yeah, I thought that was a shame. So that is it. Don't forget you can reach all three of us via the Twitter sphere. Uh, I'm at Luke Custard TV, Gary is at The Gary Show, and Matt is at Matt TV Bites. You can also, if you have any questions, drop us an email to CustardTVReviews, with an S, at gmail.com, and or if you don't want to do that, you want to just rate and review us on iTunes, give us that all-important five-star review we're so desperate for, then do that. Just search the Custard TV on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Uh, YouTube.com, the Custard TV, search us there as well, and you'll be able to hear our thoughts on individual shows uh, throughout many, many years of podcasting. 
Um, and we'll be back soon. Take care. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.